welcome to the Lit Collective podcast, Unbraiding the Canon. Our podcast looks at texts by women of colour, including trans and non-binary people of colour, that we feel are underrepresented or underrated in the so-called canon of literature written in English. Mm -hmm. I'm Loma Sylvan-Jones, and I'm a PhD student uh, in my third year in English literature and creative writing. And mm -hmm. my specialties are poetry, particularly South Asian British women and poets of Caribbean descent. Lovely. And I'm the co-host, Anika Majid. And I would, to, to describe my situation right now, I'd say I'm completing my um, master's in global journalism, it will be done in September. And I am currently sort of a writer out of work I think if, if I was if I was being more generous I'd say I'm freelancing currently but yeah I'm yes, all around <laughs> always, freelancing, always freelancing always freelancing but yes I am a like well like Loma we are lovers of literature and art especially that of women and people of color and we would like to explore that more hence the pilot episode of our series definitely and I think both of us it's fair to say having done so many kind of literature-based degrees mm -hmm. at this point, because uh, Nika, obviously you've done literature degrees as yes. well. It's just the one. Much, yeah. <laughs> uh, conversely to my three. But um, <laughs> I think it's fair to say we've been a bit starved by this point of yes, that's this exactly type. Word. Exactly. This type of literature. Mm -hmm. um, because obviously we've been stuck in the academic system um, and on the one hand, very grateful to be there. And on the other hand, very frustrated by like mm -hmm. the rigidity of being kind of dragged through the same mm -hmm. predominantly white male mm. books that frankly don't speak to me that much. Exactly. Yeah. It's sort of like a sort of inarticulable, if that's the word, absence, I think that we've all felt. And I Definitely. suppose, yeah. And I think because this, is part of we're part of the lit collective and for those that don't know it's sort of like a community space that sort of preceded both of us um it started off in broom hall which is in sheffield the north of england as like a book club between 14 and 18 year olds and it was just sort of like a place for women of color to experience and immerse themselves in literature by women of color people that you know they feel represented by and I suppose since its sort of inception, it's grown into this massive network of people who are all sort of bound together by this one love and this one quest for art, which really speaks to them on an ontological and sincere way. Really, I love smiling that. at I'm, me. I'm just like I'm just smiling because <laughs> I'm just like, yes, this is our quest. I completely agree. Definitely. This is it's our. I feel like a it's a quest of frustration a quest yes. of frustration um because like Anika was saying obviously this was born out of a project that started for people at school age because mm -hmm. obviously the issue is not just an academic mm. university level issue it's school it's preschool even it's everything we're kind Pretty of universal fed. yeah definitely in the UK to kind of read and from learning to read all the way through to studying literature I think it's I think it's an ongoing pro problem and that's why for us the Lit Collective has definitely been a space to really mm. I guess like shout that rage into the <laughs> into yes. the space between each other 
and kind of come together and find ways to share literature Mm. that we actually do care about yeah definitely I feel like because I feel like me and you have a little difference in that um, you you you're speaking of the frustration and the rage, which is definitely a part of um, part of what we're doing. But I think for me, it's sort of it's like a need for something more like I feel like throughout sort of like my whole like reading experience. I've always like come across literature, which, you know, I've sort of liked, but it hasn't sort of not many anyway have gotten to me on like a sincere level which like really helps me sort of challenge the way I think and I think that has sincerely to do with the fact that a lot of the literature that I have read is by people that you know are just like pun see away from like my own experience or just definitely like like, I I think a good way for me to like express it is that thing of until relatively recently, the past few years, I would say I was always picking my favorite books out of the kinds of things that I was exposed to. Yeah. And you go to movie. I would never be cast in any, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm tired of always being like, oh, you know, Rebecca's my favorite novel. And I'm being like. Rebecca's your favorite novel? It was when I was younger. It was. I, I love a bit of Daphne du Maurier. I can't, <laughs> I can't lie. Um, and it was when I was young. And I and I remember like seeing a poster for something to do with it and just being like, wow, I could not be less like mm. this woman. And there's got to be more out there. Mm. And I think yeah. what I like about what we're doing is the fact that we are choosing things that the other person doesn't know doesn't about, know about yeah exactly that we're we're specifically kind of checking with each other and checking that we haven't already kind of known loved analyzed to bits like the pieces that we're choosing one of us mm. has chosen it and loves it but the other one literally reads relatively it, nothing all the podcast mm-hmm. and we go from there because I think as well because we've both come from like these like academic kind of boxed in spaces mm-hmm. get a bit kind of seminar focused with the way you think yeah and we didn't want to be that we it's wanted pretty, this to be yeah yeah we wanted this to be something much more kind of fresh and open yeah. and much more about how things make mm. us feel on top of the fact that I think out of habit we tend to mm. analyze everything that we come across <laughs> I think it, I think that has to do with like a lot of sort of um the resentment maybe to do with academe the fact that um we thought we were going to get this sort of like freedom and this liberation but of course that that never seemed to be the case you know we found out okay so this language doesn't work and now we need to find some other way to talk about this and we found that with you know real like grassroots community and the way that we talk with each other in this like collective like this is how literature should be how it we should talk about it so like that I really like what you mentioned there about grassroots community because I think that is what the lit, lit yeah collective has exactly mm. I think it's the first time I don't know all these sort of literature nerds have like banded together and all we do <laughs> is like sit around thinking up projects and discussing things we like mm. and kind of having lots of those kind of oh my god me too moments <laughs> I think and, Mm. that's really special 
I feel like what's another interesting thing that um, despite being literature nerds we're also sort of we are kind of writers and artists in our own right you're a poet as well we have a lot of like poets and writers and journalists in our sort of group that we that we're part of and I think what you were talking about um, earlier about not seeing yourself in Rebecca when I was younger I had this problem of like because like I did think of myself as an amateur sort of short story writer but like I couldn't really like I didn't realize that I like my characters were white or like they were canonical like things are part of the canon until someone like sort of like pointed it out to me and I was like oh I didn't realize I was doing that I could only write what I thought was the only idea for me to think that I was writing proper literature was if I sort of imitated what I was basically exposed to because I didn't really I didn't really have anywhere to go off in terms of like writers which represented me I just had like people that I liked at the time like the sort of lack of exposure does seep into your own creativity I think definitely I I absolutely had the same thing Mm -hmm. I I I even realized that this is really creepy and slightly tangential (laughs) in my dreams I kept having sort of dreams where I was like a white person and I think I'm I'm really like I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy but like I would realize slowly throughout the dream and often I have loads of dreams that are affected by the tv that I've been watching or the books mm-hmm. that I've been reading yeah and I realized it was like manifesting in that as like mm. a teenager and I think that's what I, I that was another kind of shock moment where I was like oh dear I think something's going a little bit wrong inside my mind yeah. I think I think I need to see more brown women so mm-hmm. that I can feel it's like that's like same old double consciousness kind yeah, of idea definitely. isn't it that we kind of you know people who because I'm like mixed race and I kind of view myself as a brown woman because that's how I kind of walk around in society but mm-hmm you have these kind of strange dualities and kind of hybridities that form in your head. Yeah. And I do think, like, I think we both agree that literature is so, so important with that. Mm. And I think an interesting thing is that we're not, we're not just, because we're both brown women. Mm-hmm. Um, we both have kind of South Asian backgrounds. Yeah. And yeah. we're not focusing on just kind of British South Asian literature because I definitely find, I don't know about you, but I, I'm always shocked by how the whole community of black and brown kind of women, like women with an X, like yes. how their literature really speaks to me, even when mm-hmm. people are from like a completely different background, yeah. I'll be reading a story and then something will just jump out at me and it will be yeah, definitely. Just really speaking to some tiny yes. moment that I feel like I recognize Mm, yeah, I think it's like because uh, I was thinking about that um, in sort of preparation for this um, podcast it's sort of like what is it about women like women of color writers that has gotten to me in a way that nothing else has and it is that sort of it it picks at the ambiguity in literature and narrative that I just that I've never seen before and that it I think it challenges me in a way that nothing else has and definitely and for me it wakes me up exactly 
yeah absolutely um I was, I was sort of um not to be like pompous or anything but um I was looking at like what exactly how I could articulate this and I read on I read sort of this quote which has been attributed to like from anyone from playwrights to Marxists or although you know playwrights Marxists one in the same thing really but um depends <laughs> but it was something like um art is not a mirror it's a hammer it doesn't reflect its shapes and the way that I interpret that is that you know if you want to engage with art in a serious way you have there it comes with the incentive of having your sort of belief system and morality challenged and I feel that completely with um, writers which are very similar to me or um, writers that aren't part of the canon so not what you see every day do you get definitely I completely get you I'm, I'm again I'm smiling because you went really deep on me but <laughs> I, I totally agree I do agree uh, with everything you said it, except possibly that all playwrights are Marxist I, would, I disagree on that <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't feel like Shakespeare was a Marxist to be honest yeah. Um, don't bring the, ca- the 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 leader of the canon I know, in here. The, the specter of the canon in here. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't need these people in this space. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely I think as a creative person as well, someone that I write predominantly poetry, but also mm. kind of short stories, various bits of fiction as they manifest, plays yes. and things. I'll write I'll write most things if the mood strikes me. But I mm. just find that nothing nothing makes me I was gonna say put pen to paper we don't do that anymore (laughs) we put fingers to keyboard let's let's, let's be honest but nothing makes me really jump to do that like reading women of color yes there's something about it which makes me go not only wow but also I want to do that I want to make I want to make this feeling jump off a page in the same kind of way not that you want to kind of copy the work but you want to kind of spread that that Mm -hmm. feeling I guess I feel like I belong to something kind of again I'm going to go deep on you now like (laughs) ethereal when I read certain books I was I'm always struck by that especially when I being a poet I have a suck I'm a sucker for a a good brand new poetry anthology Mm. you know getting that (laughs) new book smell off that (laughs) thin little thin little (laughs) spine of the book uh but um yeah, nothing, nothing is quite like getting in my bath, reading a new poetry anthology. And then Wait, being hang like, on, hang on, hang on. You read in the bath? I have to read in the bath, How generally. Do you read in the if bath? I always read in the bath. I mean, of I'm, course, I'm, I'm six foot tall. Bath. I'm a giant woman. Like, there's no space left in the bath for even that much water. So, like, <laughs> if I drop the book, I just drop it on my own chest. Like, I don't even have to worry. But, yeah, I read my books in the bath and then I have to like leap out of the bath and go and write a poem usually. That's Sometimes cool. write an essay, write something because I'm just always so inspired. Mm. And I think that's why we've picked what we've picked because obviously yeah. I've picked um, two of the next three episodes. So mm-hmm. I've picked one of my latest kind of authors who I'm just obsessed with, frankly. Um, is Bonnie Capil. Yeah. And I think the last thing that made me kind of leap out of the bath was her like recent publication, How to Wash a Heart. But I've gone back to probably my like old favorite. It's a few 
years out of publication now, Ban on Banlieue. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my picks because I I just adore it. It's odd poetry yeah. about failure and black and brown bodies and about sexuality and nudity and I don't know just like all of the things that black and brown particularly female bodies kind of absorb Mm -hmm. um mostly in kind of UK life and I just I'm obsessed with it um and also the white card by Claudia Mm Rankine because it's just really it's really just quite brutal about kind of the white gaze and I just thought yeah we need to start in quite a brutal space that's that's what I'm here for (laughs) absolutely I'm I'm finding it really hard not to like start talking about them because I I I have read I know but we can't I know (laughs) but they are just so brilliant and I think especially with the um Banu Kapil um poetry collection like at first it is it is really experimental and I think it's the, I'm not going to let you start. I can I, feel you. I can feel you started. <laughs> you you introduce your own. You introduce your own pick. Okay, 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 okay. It's it's brilliant. You guys are gonna love it. That's all I'll say about that. But my pick. Well, I did have two originally, but one had to um be um ex- escorted to the cutting room floor because we just did not have the time. But yeah, that that will probably make it to episode four though. It will come. If, will if come. you guys like us, then it will come. <laughs> But the one that I've uh, picked is a short story called Grace Jones by Irenis and Okoji. And it's in her poetry collection called, I mean, her short story collection called The Nudie Branch. And it is just, it is it is quite vicious in the same way that um, the other picks are in that it deals with some pretty dark places, especially as someone um, who occupies you know, a sort of alien body because it's it's basically a book about, well, a story about a Grace Jones impersonator. And that's all I'm going to say. You just yeah, ruminate. Yeah, I, I can see me giving you the eye, like... Ruminate about that. Yeah, don't give too much away. But it is um, such a... Also, I love that you have poetry on the brain now because mm-hmm. you didn't read much poetry before I started accepting my ways really. into your head. <laughs> Really, like I, I'm really thankful for you, Loma, because like without you, I wouldn't even be like introduced to like Nat Raha, which is just such a she's fireball. Of a yeah, poet. I think she's definitely going to be in a later episode. Yes, definitely, we have to cover her. There's just so many people, so many people that we're introducing each other to, and that's why the format is so important to us because we don't want to just we don't want to just rehash our own favorite our old favorites because yeah. I think then you're in danger of rehashing the same kind of things over and over again Mm. and kind of coming back to almost another stale place even though I would argue a better place because it's further away from the kind of white cis male Mm. educational stagnant place but I do think I do think it's important to get different people's opinions and also I think we haven't necessarily mentioned our guests um Uh, This is obviously the pilot episode, but after this, um, almost all the episodes will have a guest speaker who yes. also has never read the piece before, mm. just to get more kind of first opinions, wouldn't you say? Yes, really. It is, um, it is that sort of thing. We, Because, um, of course, we're brown women, but we are sort of introducing more sort of women from like all over different uh, walks yeah, of life. Yeah, just different people, yes, different, different folks, different strokes yeah I think I think it's just I don't know we 
I think we use kind of people of color, women of color out of necessity a lot. And I think we'll inevitably use those on the podcast just because that's the kind of language we have at the moment. Yes. But there is always going to be that frustration there because, I mean, that covers the majority of people on the planet, really. Yeah, like that, much, that's, yeah. that's yeah. going to be the biggest group. So it it is a bit of a mm. false homogenization yeah. definitely yeah. definitely so I just feel like the more people we have on the more opinions we have mm-hmm. on all these kind of different texts that we go through the more kind of authentic we are to the kind of community yeah. space we're trying definitely. to create yeah I think because like not to put in a meandering thought but it is that sort of thing that language will probably never be as sort of it will never represent the complexity of like living in a body like a physical body and I think that's Definitely. what a lot of the art literature that we're going to cover it is very body centric and it is I think that is. happens though with all all texts that have a really strong kind of racial center yes I mean race is like a you know a phenotypical difference in mm-hmm. the body like I don't yes. think you can get away from that and I always think that's really interesting. I'm a bit mm-hmm. obsessed with that as well. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is that thing where like it it is all about the body and it's like you can't get away from racial differences because it is something that you see like straight away. And Yeah, we... often the kind of first snap judgments exactly. to make about people. And I love when that's really well articulated because that's something yes, I always kind of absolutely. struggle to articulate. But it's so well articulated by so many of the people mm-hmm. that we're kind of picking out. And I think as well, I think we're starting in this place where it's quite, we're picking quite in your face picks in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll probably get more broad as we carry on. Um, yes. But I think it's that same like need for this space and that kind of frustration has sort of come out in our in our first mm-hmm. few choices, I think. Um, but I'm really excited to have like the three guests on that we've lined up. They've yes, all got definitely. very different relationships with like literature and reading. Mm-hmm. And they all love it, but for very different reasons yes. and very different reasons to us. And I think that I think that's going to be really useful. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think it'll just be like really nice getting to just talk like it's because I think with like social media and like the way art is distributed now, like, of course, with the canon, it's all very within the institution. But to have things like pod- like a podcast or, you know, a, ch- a YouTube channel and to have women really come together and talk about these sort of things it's just I think is probably the most important like reason as to why we're doing this and why Definitely. you know it, it it is it should be more common to sort of circulate this kind of thing and just talk about it really yeah I think I think definitely I think because we have kind of come together because we found this kind of accidental community through the lit mm-hmm. collective and that's been sort of growing and growing. And I feel like every time people are added to the Lit Collective, I kind of have new experiences that I haven't had before. And they're yeah. all very, I don't know, they're all very homely. They're all very kind of interesting and innovative, but safe at the same time. Yeah, I feel communal. like I'm really, yeah, they're very communal. I'm, I'm really feeling quite like enriched by the space. Mm. And I think that's the kind of thing that we're trying to sort of emulate on this yeah. podcast going forward. Um, because I feel like as well each episode we're going to take the time towards the end to really 
like unpack why we picked these mm -hmm. um, and what we got from it in that kind of communal community sense if we yeah. did get anything from that particular text and if we did what it was and just go a bit more personal because I don't think everything that we think and feel about these books can be outlined yeah, from like definitely. an analytical place or from a kind of like a seminar headspace or mm -hmm. anything like that because I think so much of it is just finding texts that give you that feeling yeah that feeling I, of I really needed this mm, and it's sort of like if you always sort of look at literature through that way you do distance it distance yourself from it or sort of keep a space which I don't think is always like correct sometimes sometimes um literature just just like it makes you feel emotions and there's no reason to sort of downplay that or think that that's not serious like it is to exactly. have strong and, emotions and also I think it's it's really important to have that because I think that's how everyone kind of who loves literature reads in a way yeah. because most people aren't going to sit around kind of analyzing the book that they just like picked up to read on their like days off mm. but everyone knows what their favorites are because it gave mm. them some kind of feeling some kind of yes this was time well spent I'm so glad I read that I might read it again mm. and I love it and I can't tell you why I love it but I do and I think <laughs> we're really gonna dissect that as well mm -hmm. yeah exactly that's that's I feel like that's probably like the mission statement for our podcast but also the mission statement for the Lit Collective as a whole because I feel very much so like before before joining I didn't have like a starting place like where like I knew that I wanted to read more literature by you know people whose perspective maybe I didn't even know about or I didn't even think to um, see but like with talking to like other women um, who are similar to me and represent me like I've gotten so many I've just a more enriching read like reading list that I actually am like proud to talk about and really want to talk about and I think that's what we need to do with the podcast is that giving people a place to start with this you know yeah definitely and I think doing that work because I think honestly finding things to read can sometimes get really hard mm. because we have so much choice and also the people that have all of the money to bombard you with like Instagram <laughs> adverts are not necessarily the most out of the box choices oh, because don't get me the publication, started. I know the publication industries are going to be kind of rife with the same problems. And so I just think it's really, really important that we, I kind of, because you're, I think it's really important. I think it's really important that we not only are kind of privately reading these people, but we're also promoting them, yes. analyzing them, and trying to add to that community space, trying yeah. to add to that that kind of international community of black and brown women writers mm -hmm. and why it is that they are so amazing in so many different ways mm -hmm. and why there is more than a canon in their own right. Yes. And why the current canon needs to be well, unbraided, um, <laughs> as is the title, because it really does, because there needs to be more space made. And also it just needs to be undone and completely reshaped because it isn't, it isn't enough. It isn't doing enough. 
and it's no longer acceptable really it so is, why it should isn't. it be accepted exactly that's that's exactly the point and it's like because I really love the fact that we've sort of started with writers that aren't as well known and that we feel are very important to like get out because it's it's important to introduce people to like artists that they don't know instead of like the same like three damn people three three of the same books like every other every other month because I'm frankly quite sick of it really Mm. yeah and I think that's why even I mean I think Claudia Rankine is quite well known in some ways but I like to think Mm. that I've at least picked um a very new and hopefully therefore best known text but also I think think the text is going to be very it's a very important text so I'm very glad that you picked it yeah I mean I think so obviously I'm glad (laughs) But I think we've tried to keep off of kind of for now, like Zadie Smith and other people yeah. that have really been, you know, in the kind of, mm. you know, the front of your WH Smiths and your, yeah. your various other Blackwells and things like that. We're trying to keep very off thankful of for that, those people, by the way. Yeah, but. definitely. And, and we love them as well. But I think, like you said, we're trying to pick things basically that the other person hasn't read and so that tends to inevitably kind of narrow down some of those things a bit more Mm. well I think that's like a really interesting that you brought that up the sort of like the canon of women of color who have that we do know about like Zadie Smith and I was watching an interview um with Bernadine Evaristo a couple of days ago and she said something like while she was at drama school or or theater that like there was virtually no women of color that she could like come off from or read but now we do have we sort of do have like a structure like a scaffolding of such women yeah definitely a scaffolding I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a canon almost because I think it definitely isn't I think canon is so specific and there's very much in English literature I feel one that is being pushed (laughs) and everything else is very much excluded from that but I totally agree we have this kind of scaffolding now we have you know these kind of people being really widely read that Mm. are black and brown British authors and you know a few are managing to kind of make it to that kind of mainstream space but I think we're trying to slightly dodge the mainstream space and add to Mm. all the other gems that are just kind of out there and also just expand our own minds Mm. like yeah the whole point is we're also experiencing these texts for the first time if the other person has picked them and I'm very excited for that, obviously. Um, I think because I wanted to sort of talk to you a little bit more about that, considering that you're, you're sort of doing your PhD on sort of women, non-binary trans people of colour. Like, how do you think that sort of landscape has changed from like, say, the, the 80s and 90s to now? Like, do you think we've sort of specialised in a way? I mean... I would say we specialized or maybe I would I, I just think more things are getting published now mm. than they were then I just think it's it's easier and harder I think but I think probably as a person of color it's it's easier just because there are so many small presses now you know yes, the digital world definitely. has kind of moved on a lot mm. and I think small presses are just so important I find mm. almost nothing that isn't from a small press and Pretty even much. the things exactly. that do kind of make it to the really kind of big 
presses and the big distributors mm. often you'll find that they were actually you know backed by a small press first mm -hmm. and especially because I think we're keeping it quite contemporary we're not you know going back to kind of Maya Angelou and Toni Morrison and and things like that who you know I mean they're still probably underrepresented but we're keeping it contemporary and we're kind of taking yeah. mostly uh British authors but mm. you know we're being pretty fast and loose with that um and we're really looking at what's being published now and what I love about now and hate because they're never in the library <laughs> because the libraries always seem to forget about the uh the yeah. many many small presses but I love the fact that it's just every couple of months something else is being published and mm. coming out where I'm like I have to have that I have to read that I don't have the money to buy all these books but my to buy list is getting longer and longer and longer and I think mm. that's amazing because I think either even the fact that you can you can find so much now is just so yeah. important and I think that's something that we aim to do for people is to sort of do the finding for mm. them yeah exactly that, especially, that's a labor of itself isn't it especially in terms of like accessibility because like now you can sort of like purchase things online and technology I think has really revolutionized and liberated us in a way in that we can find these things in like little cracks in the corner of the internet and be like look guys look at this and people will actually be able to see it I just think that's Definitely. brilliant I think I think it is still hard in a way because it's sort of the balance between mm things are quite expensive I always I always think it's <laughs> shocking how quickly like I put things in my basket and I'm like cool 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 can't can't afford all of those but um I also think at least I know when I am buying books from small presses by women of color by non-binary authors mm. by trans authors at least I know that the small presses funneling the money to the authors yes, if you know what I mean definitely. it just feels it just feels a little bit like it ties into the kind of movement mm. that's going on generally about kind of buying local and for me it doesn't really matter where in the world the small press is mm -hmm. that has that feeling of buying local when you buy books yeah. from places like that although like it's still tempting to <laughs> you know go on the next day delivery big kind of businesses that we all know but I where I can I, I definitely do try to to shop small and most of the time I don't have a choice because a lot of these books are yes. like I said only available in those kind of avenues I think yeah I think but like once we start sort of like getting this off the ground we'll we'll be able to sort of really because I, I not to get about not to get ahead of ourselves but I do feel like we should talk more about small presses and just really how really how important they are to actually getting women of color and people of color published because they're pretty Definitely. much integral yeah they are completely integral I think mm. and and also I think there's that that thing of I think some of the big publications they will kind of pick somebody who they feel is flashy and new who's yeah, a black or brown much. author and then you know push them to the forefront and put a lot of money behind like that one author and that one mm -hmm. book but then you think you know, out of the sort of millions of books that you guys mm. are reaming off each year, how many of them, exactly. like percentage-wise, are actually black and brown people? And it's then you look into that and you're like, oh, it's, it's actually not that great. You're all style and no substance when it comes mm. to things like that. It's um, pretty much. And I think, 
yeah there's lots of small presses that mm -hmm. they don't do that they really they yeah. don't produce that many books and they make black and brown authors a huge huge center yeah. to that and I think that's it's really important mm -hmm. to kind of mention those and kind of make sure that that's also part of what we're kind of promoting in a way mm -hmm. I suppose that's very similar to sort of um, what we just talked about, about like women of colour who have made it, is that a lot of the times, especially when it does come to academe and the canon, is that a lot of these women turn out to be like tokenized and sort of held up, whereas which Definitely. gives that sort of like artificial synthetic feel of, you know, activism when really it's it's nothing. It's just it's yeah it's just performance it's not enough whereas like, performative exactly and what what I'm seeing like even with like bad form press and people like that is like it is really about the community space and bringing us together and that I think is what we're trying to do and what we're trying to foreground with this definitely and I think that's probably a really good place to end on mm. um because like we said community space is definitely at the forefront community space and just sharing good literature at the end of the day just sharing really good pieces of all different types and styles and I think you can probably just remind again uh which pieces we've chosen the next three of course so the next we'll be talking about um Irena Sinekoji's Nudie Branch and her beautiful short story um grace jones then the next one will be ban on banlieue by banny capil and my other choice the white card by claudia rankin yes and very so, excited definitely very very excited and <laughs> even though Nikki keeps trying to talk about them too early we have not allowed <laughs> ourselves to talk about them or discuss them and we're saving them all for the episode absolutely so, very please excited do return to, discuss to us Yes. yes, please do come and just come and discuss with us just the beauty of this literature, I think. She's gone deep again. She's gone yes. deep again. Um, but yeah, basically just come and join the community space mm -hmm. and do kind of tweet us at the Lit Collective if you have any kind of thoughts or opinions mm -hmm. and just come and find some new great black and brown literature with us yes. so thank you for joining us this thank was you. just to remind you the lit collective podcast i'm brady mccannon i'm loma silvana jones and i'm anika magic thank, thank you. you see you guys soon see you soon <laughs>